Anybody have one of those those noisemakers for Happy New Year? You know, I was thinking about making one because I found an antique one at an antique shop and I took a picture of it. It's in my phone. It's in like my phone picture to do list. I want this really cool. It's like from like the turn of the century, a big wooden one. I was going to maybe I'll make that. It's a good idea. What's the mechanism? Is it just like a a sprocket and something flapping against the? Yep. It's just uh, it's like a handle made on a lathe with a gear at the end and then wood on either side of the gear that supports a big flap. And the flap is about eight inches long. It's a big one. And it looks like a chisel handle. And it, it's like I said, it's probably made around 1910, 1920. And it makes a nice positive wooden click sound when you spin it. Hmm. It's at this booth at the flea market. And everybody that goes in that booth picks it up and does it. Uh-huh, so when I'm you're sure. walking around <laughs> this big indoor flea market, like every 20 minutes, you hear somebody do it. <laughs> it's really funny. The people at the counter must be nuts. So I took a picture of it. I said, I'm going to steal that idea for New Year's Eve. Cool. You should do it. You've, you're you running out of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Happy New Year to everybody listening. It's uh, not New Year yet for us, but it will be by the time you hear this. So welcome tomorrow, back. Tomorrow to is New Year's Eve. I got the announcement on my, my phone. Isn't that funny how the iPhone decides to tell you things that you don't care about? Reminds <laughs> you that it's like holidays that you don't pay attention to or that it's somebody's birthday that you might know it thinks you know for some reason why does it do that uh, happy secretary day you know yeah those are the th- it tells me all the things i don't need to know but when i set up a skype call for a tv interview or something it never reminds me i'm always like in the middle of doing something and my agent calls me he's like you're supposed to be on skype right now and i look at my iphone i'm like why didn't you tell me never tells me but it tells me everything else i don't need to know but yet you get the notification that it's Karen from FedEx's birthday. And you're like, who the heck is Karen? <laughs> well, I think it, we all kind of took some time off. Um, and we were talking about it a little bit before we hit record. But what's everybody been up to? Like, what have you... It's been, what, three weeks since we recorded? Two weeks? It has been. Something like, well, something like that. We skipped two weeks. So, yeah, yeah three weeks. So, I... We didn't put out a video two weeks ago. Dan and I filmed a question and answer video, and I had bad audio, and I didn't release it. I'm like, eh, no big deal. It's nothing nothing too special. And then last week, since we didn't record the podcast and it was Christmas, I told Dan to not come over, and I didn't do anything that week. And so I haven't done a whole lot over the last two and a half weeks, just kind of taking a break, collecting thoughts, and... And uh, thinking about the future. I've been busy just uh, taking it. Rel- uh, this has always been a very relaxing time for me. I've talked about it before where between Christmas and New Year's is my time to sort of experiment, play around, do a few things that I ordinarily wouldn't do. And so I've been taking this opportunity to do some machine maintenance. Aaron is my new guy. He's here working with me. And he, we've been doing a little bit of machine maintenance. So pulling out the machines and rearranging them. I don't know if you saw my Instagram the other day. I played with this old planer that my friend Michelle gave me. And it's been sitting there kind of ominously like taunting me. And so I was like, you know what, let's pull this out. And I said, the goal for the next few hours is just to see this thing run. So I found an old motor in the shop, attached it briefly, quickly. And uh, so I got that run and rearranged a bunch of machines, changed all the bandsaw blades on a few of the machines that have had dead machine blades and uh, oiled stuff, cleaned off uh, rusty tabletop. So taking the opportunity to, to be in the shop but not doing anything that's really super urgent, but things that need to be done. 
So we got that planer going. And today, actually, after the show, I might, I might build like a carriage for that sled, for that planer, like a sled carriage so that I could move it around with a set of forks. That is a monster planer. It's uh, my buddy, Michelle, brought it down from Montreal. He was at an auction and nobody bought it. And he said to the owner, what are you going to do with it? He goes, I'm going to have to scrap it. Nobody wants it. I can't take it with me. And he said, what if I just take it at the end of the auction and positively nobody wants it? He says, you can have it. And he called me and he asked me if I wanted it. I was like, I can't go to Montreal. I don't have the time for that. And I said, I'll find somebody to take it. And he said, what about, because I'll make a deal with you. I need, a, I need to take a vacation. He goes, I'll come and spend a day at your house with you. I'll bring it. So he did. And so that was a few months ago. Anyway, it's a great planer. It would it had been used right up until when it was auctioned off or given away. So huh. the blades on it were sharpened and it works great. And that, and that Instagram video, it's running very, very slow. It sounds like a helicopter because the blade, you could hear the blades hitting. But so that's what I've been doing. Last night, I spent about an hour and a half cleaning my plasma cutter. I cleaned it, pulled all the slats out, got all the, the muck out of it and wiped it down, cleaned it up. It's getting rebuilt by Lincoln. I think next month they're going to come and revamp the whole thing and change all the parts on it. Maybe change the main computer in it. So I'm just getting that cleaned up and yeah, that's it. Just like shop maintenance and like that busy time keeps my brain moving. It starts me thinking, helps me think of ideas. So like that, keeping my hands and my mind busy, even though it's not pertinent work, it, it does, it does exercise the brain. Over the break, I was with somebody and your your video was on in the background and you were making it's a it was a new video. I don't know what it was, like dressed to boxes or drawers oh, yeah, or something. You were and you were you were resawing wood on the table saw and uh we were joking, like that dude's got thirty band saws and he's resawing on the table saw. <laughs> I'll tell you why it's funny. That caused a lot of controversy because people think I'm super dangerous. And uh and I said it in my Instagram post, and people don't want to hear this, and neither does Saw Stop. But <laughs> if you're using a Saw Stop that has a safety net, I'm going to take advantage of the safety net. And I know there's been a big mm. argument on Wood Talk. Like, I know there's somebody on Wood Talk that thinks Saw Stops aren't good because it's going to encourage people to do bad things. And then if you do bad things, you're going to do bad things in every saw. You're not going to have any mental consciousness of your ability to use the saw because you're going to get so used to being dangerous that when you go to like a Powermatic or something, you're going to use your, your fingers and your toes and not even think about it, <laughs> which I don't agree with at all. But using the Saw Stop... I can. I know that I don't have fear of getting my hand in the blade because it's going to shut off. And call me crazy, but that's just the way my brain thinks. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to use a push stick simply because I don't have to. But in that, in that video, I'm doing a, a technique. I have the blade halfway down through the material. And that's simply so that it's not available for me to touch. So I'm cutting, I'm processing this wood. The blade is halfway down. I flip the wood over. I cut one half and I flip it and I cut the other half. The blade is halfway down the fence. My hand is riding the fence the entire time. So my hand's at least at any given moment, an inch and a half away from the, the blade. And the blade is also a quarter of an inch away from the fence. So it's in a very difficult spot to get cut with. And it's a saw stop. Did I mention that? <laughs> what? Oh boy. Wait, what kind of saw was it? What, what was it? So stop the ones that you don't get hurt on. Oh, and oh. so I I have my big bandsaw and I wanted to feature my big bandsaw in this in this video. So I went to it and what I didn't realize and I, I found out later during my shop maintenance uh, episodes 
when I got that bandsaw from Louisville, the guys from Louisville were kind enough to send it up to me. They sent it up to me with like 15 or 20 new blades. I didn't know that. I didn't open the box because the box was like full of parts, extra parts. But at the bottom of the box is like a stack of brand new blades. So the blade that was on the saw, I haven't changed it yet. And I thought that it, I tried it. It wasn't sharp enough for the hard maple that I made these boxes out of. And uh, so it made a rough cut. It made like a wavy cut. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do 40 boxes, that's... 40, that's 80 sides that I have to process. And I tried the table saw. And when I came to the table saw, they were nearly perfect. I didn't have to process them. So that was the reason why. And because of the curve for the saw, I gave up one side per piece. So if I did the band saw, I would have got five sides out of each one. If I did the table saw, I got four. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I gave up, you know, I don't know, one fifth of as many boxes as what I needed, but I could just make more. And then another thing. So people got mad at me because I use a table saw dangerously. One that's not designed to hurt you. Did I say that? And <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> and people got mad at me. I had to block a couple of dudes on, on Instagram. Like, dude, if you if you listening and I blocked you, tough on you. I don't care if you care. If, I don't care. Guys are hassling me because I'm using spalted maple to make shop boxes. Mm. But what they don't know is because they're morons is that they're cut off from the tables that I'm making. So what am I going to do with an 18-inch piece of spalted maple besides use it for firewood? Make something small out of it. What do I make? I make small boxes. But people are saying, you've wasted good wood on something mundane. It's my life. Actually, isn't wow. spalted wood rotten wood? <laughs> yeah, tell that to the wow. guy that I blocked, the other guy too. <laughs> Inst- uh. I, I, I'm going to say this right now, and I, I know I'm getting a little salty. If you say anything negative to me in 2020, you will be blocked. It's I don't good. have yeah. you. If you want to give me your opinion because you feel you have the right to give me your opinion, and if it's salty and negative, you will be blocked. You will not be able to talk to me or be able to see anything I do. You will be blocked. I'm just. I have like zero tolerance now. And if you want to argue with me in the comments, I will delete every single thing you say because I am in control. I will let you argue with me, but I will delete everything you say and I won't even read it. Well, I do like Bob's take on it. Like he, Bob will say, this is, this is my house. You've come to my house. And if you're rude, you know, you'll be, you'll be taken care of. Exactly. And right. That's kind of how I treat it. Lately, what I've been doing is like, I pin a rude comment. So everybody attacks the person, but anything they say in, in defense gets deleted. <laughs> oh man. I don't even read it. I love you I even, even more. <laughs> I don't even read it. I just delete it. I, it's basically like I, I hang them out to dry and let everybody abuse them. And then either they'll get enough of it and they'll delete the comment. Or if, if it goes a little bit awry, I'll just delete the comment. But yeah. If you're going to be salty, you're going to get hung out to dry or blocked. I don't care anymore. It's 2020. It's a new year. <laughs> Not yet. You have to care for another day and a half. Just so you know. <laughs> it's not 2020 yet. So. No, so that was my that was my box video, and and now uh, Aaron and I have organized. Aaron really has organized lots and lots of scrap bits of bolts and nuts and stuff that we've had in various drawers throughout the years. So we got it all connected together in in one area. So like I needed washers, I went right to the boxes. I found washers, but that that box concept, a lot of people want to buy them from me. I think what I might do is I'm going to run a batch in a couple of weeks on softer wood so I can print the sides on the on the letterpress machine instead of laser cutting them, which I did in the video. Out of, out of 40 boxes, I laser cut 12 because it took 
all day long to laser cut 12. It's nice to overlap tasks. And what I did was I had the, the boiler installed in the, in the new shop. And my buddy Mo took all day to do that. So while he was installing that, I was at the laser cutter, which is in the same shop. So I was there at his assistance if he needed me, but I was passively laser cutting all day long. And so once the lasering was done, the next day I just said, that's enough. I got enough boxes for the video with my name on it. But so what I might do is make a batch that will flat pack. I'll, I'll print oh, them yeah. and then mail them out in an envelope. So if anybody did want those boxes, I'll make a batch of parts and then mail them out flat. That's the thought. And like I said, those hmm. will all be letterpressed, probably on something like pine, because pine can take a nice letterpress. But we'll see. I'm going to find maple. You don't want to, you don't want to do that, or like mahogany. You do yeah. mahogany boxes. <laughs> well, people. Let gonna... me say something to that real quick, <laughs> because go. I mean, okay, whatever. Everybody can have their opinion, but if you, person listening, are making something for yourself, use whatever you want. Uh, you know what? I can't wait to make it out of like. Rosewood. That's... I'm gonna make like <laughs> I'm gonna get rosewood and I'm gonna make like a a, a dustbin. That's what I'm gonna do. That's what I'm, gonna do. I'm gonna make <laughs> inlaid spalted rosewood. There you go. I mean, I know like Josh has made a few things out of maple. I'm sorry, out of a walnut, and people have like that. That it it um seems overkill for. And people are like, "Why are you using walnut for that?" And he's like, "Well, because I bought a trailer load of walnut for like two hundred bucks, and I'm going through it, and that's all I use for anything because." I can, because it doesn't cost him anything, you know? I mean, I get the idea of wanting to use nice wood for nice projects, but, like, if if you're making something for yourself or even for somebody else, use whatever material you want. You're the when creator I was in, there. Right? Taylor and I were in Belize a couple of years ago for the wintertime. We spent a couple of weeks in Belize. I guess that was that might have been four or five years ago. Wherever we went, like, we we knew some locals, so they brought us around to some, like, little local woodworkers and stuff. Wherever we went... Like, we happened to notice that uh, mahogany was used to, like, make cement troughs for, like, sidewalks. So mahogany is used like a two-by-four in Belize because it's such a plentiful oh, yeah. wood. Everywhere you go, there's mahogany, like, propping up a, a, a leaning tree or making a, a, a sidewalk path that's going to get filled with concrete. So it's people just chillax on the, the wood. And, like, like... David said, spalted maple is rotted maple. <laughs> hmm. It just happens to look nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I do burn a lot of a lot of wood. It gets to the point where like I'm just piling up scraps. I don't need a twelve inch piece of whatever. And I, like in my head, I'll throw all the scraps in the corner. I'm like, ah, that's good enough to make a pen. I'll make pens. And then you know, two years later, I, I don't want to make pens. I don't need all these little pieces of exotic <laughs> woods. And, and and so it it just, I burn it. Um, I have piled it up in a box and given it away a few times to a, a local turner. But then that involves coordinating with another person and meeting up with a stranger. And, and it's just easier if I, burn it. If I, you know, I'll have a backyard fire, drink a whiskey, have a good night. And know that that wood went to good use. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one time I, I cut down a bunch of scrap pieces and boxed them up and did a giveaway, I think. Mm. Man, that was like years ago. And so they were all three-quarter by three-quarter by six or something like that. So perfect pen blanks. And it was just all scrap that I had been holding on to. I did a giveaway, mailed somebody a priority mailbox, seven bucks to mail, and somebody got wood that they could use, you know. 
But I, I typically try to like keep a little, well, not too little, but a box of small cutoffs. We have two trash cans that I keep long cutoffs in. And then once those start to overflow, those two containers, that's when I know it's time for a fire. Mm -hmm. Like, that's when we start to dump the stuff. But, you know, so I keep it, but I also put a limit on how high it can stack up. Because otherwise, it'll just be like, well, yeah, I mean, we're going to need that, you know, three three inch piece of cherry some point. It's going to be a, a... Make an like exotic fire. That's it. <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> uh, at Thanksgiving, I right before I left for family... I asked my brother, who is also a woodworker, I'm like, hey, do you need any wood or plywood? And he's like, whatever you can give me. So I just cleared off a whole section and then just gave him a whole truckload of wood. He's like, oh, what am I going to do with all this? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with all this. It's your problem now. Not my problem. I I reclaimed a bunch of space. And I just, I'm not equipped to hold onto wood. I usually buy what I need for a particular project. And all these little pieces add up, and that space is more valuable to me than than the wood itself. Yeah, totally. Um, let's see. I haven't talked about my break. I took time off, more time than I have taken off since I started doing this, I think. So it's been six years, going on seven years of I Like to Make Stuff. And uh, I've never taken more than like a week, and this was probably about two weeks of doing absolutely nothing. I came into the shop, I think yesterday for the first time or day before for, you know, 10 minutes. I did some cleanup and stuff, but I've intentionally tried not to be productive. We went on vacation with the family. We surprised the kids with a trip to Disney World um, right before Christmas. So we drove down. I ran a race in Huntsville with uh, Destin from Smart Every Day hung out with them and then we drove to Florida and we told the kids it was all like we're gonna go see family in Florida because we have all my wife's families down there and when we got there they kept going like whose house are we staying at are we at you know this grandparent or this <laughs> grandparent we're out. like I don't know we haven't decided yet and so we get down there and <clears throat> excuse me we get down there and the GPS in the car like it finally said like this way to Disney World on the thing. And so <laughs> no. you know, we were like, Hey kids, look where we're going and they all looked up there and saw the words on the screen and freaked out. Anyway, so we spent a week in Disney and just like fully did that trip. Uh our kids are kinda at the perfect age for it. And it was awesome. We had we had a fantastic time. Um it was exhausting. <laughs> I walked a whole lot. But um it it was really nice to be in a place where, uh, like, I didn't have any idle time. I think one of the problems with me and, and I think all of us, we've talked about this before, like with vacations, you go somewhere and you sit and you're idle and then you start getting all twitchy and like, I just need to do something. But something about this trip was we were moving the entire time. We were going to a place. We were getting on rides. We were checking cool stuff out. And then when we weren't doing the park stuff, we were just like exploring and spending time together. And it didn't feel... I didn't have that vacation anxiety thing, you know, that like I need to go back and be productive. It was like, I just enjoyed being there and I I really needed that. Um, So we did that and then came back and got back on Christmas Eve and um, have just been kind of hanging out intentionally, not doing anything intentionally, just like sitting around sketching and watching movies and stuff, which is usually against my nature, but we, uh, I don't know. It's been really, really good, and I really needed it. I think the the second part of last year was exhausting for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. My run was exhausting and messed up my throat this morning. But um, 
the second half of last year was was tiring and stressful. It was good, but stressful for me. So I really needed the break, and I feel kind of rejuvenated, ready to to start up this new year, which is really cool. And I have some interesting stuff coming in today. I'm a little hesitant to talk about it because it's not here yet, and if it doesn't show up, then, you know, but... Think it'll show up by um, Friday? You no, know, it'll show up today, if oh. it shows up at all. <laughs> what is but, it? But um, it's a bridge port. Oh, <gasps> bridge oh port. yeah, we talked about that. That's awesome. Yeah, so um, the other night was like... Thank you. Uh, the other night I was couldn't fall asleep. was beginning to feel that, like, man, I need to get the shop things. <laughs> I'm, like, laying in bed. Like, I, I can't go back to sleep. i got to do something. So I'm looking on Facebook Marketplace just randomly, because I've looked a bunch of times for mills on there and never found anything worthwhile within distance. So I found this Bridgeport in uh, Nashville, a couple hours away. Reached out to the guy, because it was a pretty good price. And uh, he had bought a shop, an entire machinist shop, and the guy had two Bridgeports. This guy kept the bigger one, the two horsepower. So this one's a one and a half horse. So he kept the bigger one, and he's just selling off the tools that he didn't need. So he's selling off this Bridgeport and a bunch of tooling that goes with it. He sent me videos of it running and explained all the different things that it had. And um, it's complete and working. And it's old. I mean, it's from the 60s and not pretty, but seems to do everything it's supposed to do. Coolest thing was he was willing to drive it up, deliver it, and place it. Like, not not leave it in the driveway, but actually, like, oh. bring it in on an engine hoist and put it down where I want it. And I was like, yes, that is it. That's the <laughs> yeah, thing that I've that's been awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because so, a, guy, a guy like that's used to moving something like that, likes the challenge. I mean, I know I like mm-hmm. the challenge, but I'm not doing it that often. But someone, you know, like there's guys that like are into heavy machine like for instance Chris Zepp who can move anything and likes the challenge the personal challenge I mean you probably maybe you're paying the guy maybe you're not but also likes the challenge of trying to do that so you give a guy like that the opportunity to show off his skills he's like I'll do that yeah yeah so he has another like war story <laughs> to say oh I had to get over this bump man you should see it you know so yeah it's good I mean I don't I talked to the guy on the phone yesterday and he seems pretty confident and seems like he's got some experience in it and i am paying an extra few hundred bucks to move the thing but that's totally worth it to me because i don't i'm unsure about that so like if you give me an engine hoist and a bridge port i would be terrified that i was going to drop it on myself or drop it on its side (laughs) and ruin the tool or something like that so just the fact that i can pay a guy to come do it and i can watch him and learn from it so that next time i need to move something i you know i know that i can get an engine hoist two-ton engine hoist from harbor freight for 250 bucks yeah and so if I ever need to move something, I know that that's a way to do it. Um, but anyway, so I was talking to him yesterday, and this all happened really quickly. This is like I found it Saturday night at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and today's Monday, and it's coming hmm. today. But I was talking to him yesterday, and he said, oh, do you need a you need a lathe? And I was like, well, huh. I don't need one. <laughs> but, but this guy also had a South Bend... Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's like a heavy 10, I think is what heavy it's called. Heavy 10, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And uh, he was like, I you know, I put this much into it. I just want to get the same money out of it. I've tested it. Here's videos of it running and stuff, and it's got this and this and this. And I'm like, let's do it. He's like, I'll deliver it for the same price. I'll bring them both up on the trailer. So my, yeah. that's good. my that's metal awesome. area is getting a pretty significant upgrade. And it's cool because they're both old tools that are ugly. <laughs> they're complete and working, but they're ugly. Right. So it gives me a chance to like 
you know, rehab them a little bit, but also if I wanted to go through the process of actually taking one apart and painting it and, you know, like really updating it, you yeah. can, or yeah. I can put that off or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, yeah pretty excited That's about new, new additions. Stuff like that. I, I personally believe like I, I've talked to a lot of guys in the YouTube arena that say, I don't know, do I need one? And I, I always say, if it's there, you'll figure out a reason to use it. You know, once you get over the intimidation factor, which I personally experience, you get a new machine and you're looking at it and you, even if it's used, you're like, oh, like that, that planer, for instance. I took that planer in and I really looked at it and I was like, oh, there's all kinds of pulleys and cables. And, but I just got inspired a couple of, couple of weeks ago. I was like, you know what, let me dig into that thing. So about a week ago is when we started. But if it's there, it'll get used. You know, if you have the, the, the willpower to, to get over the hump and then you'll start, especially us, because we're always looking for good visuals and things, interesting things to make films on. So. It's good, better to have it. And, and then when you look at the cost of yeah. production of, say, for instance, like, you know, collectively we've made, you know, 16,000 times more episodes of any particular TV show for a, a, a fraction of the cost. And when you look at it and you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to buy this Bridgeport and this thing might be a few thousand dollars. You think of all the money you've spent on, you know, the multitudes of episodes you've made, which is basically zero compared to like a proper television show, which we're all in very good competition yeah. with. It's not a big deal, you know, and it's this type of thing that you'll use over and over. You're not, yeah, you know, it's the cost of production. I've, I write it all. And put it this way, I've spent more money on a camera. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, <laughs> exactly. it's not that much really. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited about it. It'll be cool. I was debating on whether to put it out at the farm because I don't really don't have much out there yet, and it's a big open space on a concrete slab. But then I, it was kind of like what you were saying about if it's there, you'll use it. I have a feeling that if it's out there, I would be less likely to like, even though it's not a far distance, it's not handy, right? Yeah. So I would end up using it less. But I think if it's here, it'll be a little bit more in the way. It's more of a hassle to get in place, but. I think I'll take advantage of it. And I'm more likely to like tinker with it. Whereas I would have to make the trip out there to go use it for something specific. I wouldn't probably just play around with it as much. So that's funny. You just reminded me the other night I got into, like I said, I always take these opportunities this, this week to just relax and dig into things that aren't super pertinent or aren't necessarily YouTubeable. And I've been getting into a little bit of gunsmithing. I know it's not YouTube friendly, so I'm not showing it uh, because it's just going to, give me a it's probably going to cause me problems but so what i've been doing is uh, i've been playing around a little bit with some projects for gunsmithing where you kind of machine parts for the gun and so on and so on so i've been playing around a little bit in my machine shop and the other night i went out there with a project and i was just kind of dilly dallying on it at about nine o'clock i finished at four in the morning so Whoa. out of my machine shop right in the backyard so it's nice to be able to just kind of walk out there and just play around with it but I started that little project. Like I said, I'll probably never show any social media on it just because it's it's not in the good graces these days. But I was able to play around just experimenting with this one project I was working on. And uh, it was great. I, I, like I, I'm digging into it and I'm learning. And and Kevin, Kevin, thank you, got me the DRO, the digital readout. And it's it was tremendous help with what I was doing. You'd be able to see, if you have a digital readout, you're able to see how far you are in your x or y axis and it's critical in certain parts that if you're going to be making certain things you need to know how deep the cut is or so on and uh so it was it was a good thing the other night i, I kind of was like it's like do i really want to do this it's going to be challenging i'm not sure if i know what i'm doing so i went out there with some youtube videos and a little bit of help 
I was able to have some good success the other night. So awesome. There you go. Nice. I just I, I need a I, the the one I'm getting does not have a DRO, so I need to probably uh, bribe Kevin to come down and maybe pay him to come down and put one on for me or something. But what were you saying, oh, David? I've got a forge on the way. It'll be here this week. Speaking of, oh, of new tools, yeah. So I uh, um I picked up a couple old wrenches at an estate sale a few days ago, like the the, the S curve ones. I'm not sure what they're called. And uh, my uh, teacher at the art museum from last year, he would make knives out of out of these old wrenches. And I'm like, I'm going to give that a shot. So I picked up a small forge on, on eBay for a couple hundred bucks. Uh, I don't have an anvil yet. I do have a piece of railroad tie, but I might start looking for an anvil here and, and some some uh, tongs or whatever those tools are called. I, I still have a lot of learning to do, but start playing with some new tools got the two bender working so that is up and running and i'm excited about that so it's uh new new tools is fun it's it's the thing right now that is exciting me because i i don't know how to say it but i'm really not into woodworking right now i am i'm Hmm. i'm really i need something new i'm kind of in a funk where i just i don't feel like i don't feel like shooting videos and I think it's just because we're doing a woodworking project every single week, and I need to get out of that, and I need to try these new things. Yeah. And, and uh, so I know I have to keep doing woodworking videos every, every once in a while because that's what my audience is expecting, and and I I can't put up videos that are going to get super low numbers because that means I'm going to get less. I'm not going to please the sponsors. So there's this this this. I'm in this weird yeah. spot. Like I have to please myself, but I also have to pay the bills and please the sponsors. So, you know, I've, I've got some Squarespace videos coming up, and I'm gonna. So those will probably be woodworking videos, but I really need to get out of that that loop and do other things. Which means my channel is going to take a dip. I think for the first half of the year, but I have, but I'm really hoping to bring in new subscribers and. New, a new audience where we're doing all kinds of other cool stuff a lot more just talking to the camera and just my thoughts on things and where I get inspiration from and, and field trips and stuff like that I'm really really looking forward to a change just to get me out of this funk hmm. And I, I mean I think you know we've talked about this stuff in the past about expectation and I really think it's just about getting your audience to to have the expectation that you want them to have. And that takes time, right? It takes time if you have a brand new channel. It takes time if you want to make a change. Um, but I think that's a it's a worthwhile growing pain to to change the expectation of the people watching to, to be where you want. And some of them will fall away and new ones will replace them and whatever. But that is a worthwhile pain to go through, I think. Here's an extreme example. Um, and I always think of it like, cause occasionally I think of like, what's going to be that one thing that like blows the channel up. Cause I mean, I'm obviously doing okay, but I mean, there are moments where I'm like, oh, God, I see these numbers other people are pushing. Like, what can I get to do that? You guys watch Mr. Beast. Mm-hmm. The best Mr. videos Beast on, on YouTube right now. Yeah. His videos get 10, 15, 20 million views a week. Mm-hmm. And he was bumping along for five or six years, just doing videos about video games or something like that. That got like 100 views, 200 views, 300 views. So he was he had two lives in YouTube, a, a, a life as a, basically in the lower echelon of, of ratings. And now he is at basically the top of the ratings, more or less. 
and he's always trending number one crazy mr beast look him up he always has these funny videos where he takes his five friends and the last person to keep the hand on a tesla gets to keep it he's getting these crazy sponsorships where he has tons of money to give away and he'll, he'll like takes bags full of cash and gives them to homeless people he does all these crazy things with money and he gets lots and lots of views so there's a, a guy who's had two lives on youtube and I, I always look at that example and think, like, how can I have that second life? Mm-hmm. It's a good way it's to look at it. Me, I probably, I'll never probably have that kind of a life where I'm never going to be giving away money or anything. But like in my own, in my own universe, how can I have that? You know, with what I'm, with what I'm enjoying doing. You know, at 52 years old, you know, he's also a kid, so yeah. I'm probably never going to get 10 million views for last person to touch the blacksmith knife gets to keep it you know that kind of thing <laughs> yeah there is a, a certain his videos are fun to watch yeah but that there's uh, that side of youtube there's that i don't even know how to categorize it but there's that part and yeah. then there's like our part yeah and then there's this other one and this other one there's all these little pockets right yeah and that particular part of youtube is i think pretty positive but also sensational and so, like, his last person to have their hand on a Tesla, um, that's a very sensational way to get somebody to watch a video. But it works for him. That same sensationalism I don't think works in what we do, except I think the outlier is Colin Furs. Oh, yeah. He has a way to do s- things that are so sensational that they bring in just millions and millions of views, yeah. you know, within a day or whatever. Yeah. And that's awesome. But I think it doesn't quite translate. And so yeah. I decided years ago that like I can either I can either do my best to chase the the one-upmanship and chase the sensational and chase the eyeballs of that like let's just get as many people as possible. I think that makes what I'm trying to do suffer. Um and so I kind of decided early on that rather than trying to look for that big hit or that thing that's always going to just like explode, I would just want to have a consistent long-lasting library of useful stuff yeah. because it's never going to have the on-ramp or the, the, you know, the ranking ramp that one of those big channels is going to have. And that's okay because it will be useful, hopefully to millions of people for a very, very long time. And that's, you know, it's a different approach, of course, but some of my highest rate of uh, eight or nine years ago, some of my highest, like every time I look, I'm like, why, why is this video getting ratings now? It's just the craziest thing from like six, five, six years ago. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying in, in response to what you said was just like, it's it's so, it's easy to look at stuff like Mr. Beast and people who are doing really good stuff and doing really well with it and be like, how do I get to that? But it's like, it they're not the same thing, right? You got to be careful in that kind yeah. of a comparison because you're, it's, it's, Apples and oranges. Well, the reason the, the, I, the, the, I bring it up as an extreme example, and that's a good way to at least put a focus on what's an extreme example. But that's that's the guy that's had two lives on YouTube. So that's really the main mm. example I'm talking about. He's had two gotcha. lives. And, uh, you know, one extreme to the other, of course. But I think it is possible to have two lives on YouTube. And that's what I'm hoping for. When all those channels that you just mentioned, the I think the key ingredient in there, whether you do the sensational videos or whether you, you're you're doing what Colin Furs is doing, is they've figured out a really good. First of all, they figured out the formula for their audience, but they've also figured out a way to have their personalities in the videos. So, Mr. Beast, yeah, he does these sensational videos, 
But when you watch, it's not like watching a reality show on television. It's not tense. It's not. He's he's a very, very he's calm. a very calm dude, and you. He, and they're like fun. They're fun. They're positive. positive and stuff. You yeah. just yeah. you. You trust them because you just feel like this is I'm watching this person and that's who this person is. Confers, he's a more higher energy person and has these crazy ideas that he wants to execute. He, I watch him and I just think that guy has way more ideas than he'll ever have time to make videos. You know, so he's just <laughs> just yeah. going at it. And um, so th- I think the key ingredient is to find the right formula that works for you, but also how to put your personality in the videos. And I feel like my personality kind of grows and changes as, as, uh, as my channel grows and and changes. And so it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a game that I love. I love playing the game where like, Hey, I'm going to flip everything upside down and kind of start over. I've done that, you know, a couple of times and just finding the right formula that works. And so far I'm very fortunate where all the choices that I've made over the last 10 years, have worked for me. I haven't had anything kind of completely fail. So all these visions that I have, nothing nothing ever blows up. It's just kind of a slow, gradual change. Like, oh, we're gonna do a career change. We're gonna we're gonna change the the name of the channel or we're gonna change the, the type of the content we're doing. And it all seems to work. So I have confidence in no matter what I decide to do in the future, it's going to work based on on the past. And I'm really fortunate that there is a core group of people that just love whatever I put out and they're excited. And when I'm, when I miss a video, like the last couple of weeks, I'm like, Hey David, where's the videos? I'm like, hold on. We're taking a, we're taking a little break here. I, I just, it's still mind blowing after five years of doing this full time. It's still mind blowing that people get excited every, every week to see a, a video of mine that doesn't it just still doesn't make sense it still feels like i'm on vacation and i have to go back to that desk job that i that i used to have <laughs> it really does and so as part of the new changes for 2020 is i'm ditching the schedule to- totally going the jimmy duress route when a video is done it gets put out and we're hoping to do more videos and, and not just a video a week so dan's going to start editing and when they're done they just get put out could be on a Saturday, could you know? Could be at ten yep. p.m. Whenever. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I that schedule is too stressful. For yeah, me. I'm, I need to remove that pressure that I'm putting on myself, and have fun. You know, YouTube's not an appointment. It's not appointment television like it used to be. I mean, even TV's not appointment TV like it used to be. So that's why I never really thought a schedule was necessary for me anyway. I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that they talk about being a best practice. And I wonder if that has, if there's a less, like, algorithmic thing to that and more of a behavioral Mm -hmm. thing. I I wonder if the, the weekly schedule is more of training creators to be consistent and to be, you know, to stay at it. And it trains the audience to know when to come back. I think that's what it is more than like, it actually improves performance. It just sets everybody up to know what goes when, you know, so that they know when to be there and when to do work and when to take a break and whatever. I was talking to um, my rep at YouTube a couple weeks ago before we left for vacation. And I kind of told her like, you know, this, 
last year's been exhausting and, and the schedule is, is tough on all of us. And, um, and I'm taking time off and I, and I, it's probably going to kind of hurt the analytics and stuff a little bit. And she was like, well, yeah, but your, your mental health and your, your rest is, is super important. And I think I talked about this a little bit before we stopped recording for the last year. I realized that there's a, there's a, there's a hustle time. There's a time that you have to put in a lot of work, but, um, the rest time for yourself, physically, mentally, all that stuff is as important as the hustle that you put into something because it creates a gap. It creates longevity and breathing space and like let your mind wander and all that stuff. And sometimes that means like a rest within a day or a couple of weeks, you know, in between projects or a season of life. I mean, those things are important. And it's it's too easy to get caught up in the schedule. But I guess the point of what I'm saying is that even the people at YouTube know that that schedule is unsustainable and probably not as important as we all think it is. Because I've asked my audience several times, like, what time of the week would you, you know, is, is the most useful for you? Like, if we would put a video out, like, when are you most likely to watch? They all say, everybody says, I don't know, whenever it shows up. So, like, that, it's... Like from their mouths, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what time of day, what day of the week. They will watch it when they have time to watch it. Or they won't. (laughs) You know what I mean? They may not be interested in whatever the thing is. And it doesn't matter if it comes out at the perfect time of week. If they're not into it, they're not going to watch it. And so I'm with you, David. I'm trying my best not to throw away the schedule completely, but to be gracious with myself and with the team about... If we have something ready to go out on a Thursday, awesome. And if not, that's fine. It'll go out next week. Like I want the schedule for the consistency of, so we can build a production schedule and we know, you know, we can spend our time wisely, but if we're missing it, we're missing it. And we didn't put out a video last week and we're not going to put out one this week mm-hmm. and that's fine. And that's just, Did you I run out of ideas. Of like, you run out of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just out of ideas. I think I'm going to go back and start remaking all my old videos again. <laughs> the creative well has um, run dry. That's what someone said to me this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I think it's important, you know, to just take some time off, but then also to just give yourself a little grace because this is an exhausting thing to do. And especially, I, I think we all speak from a place of like, this is our career, right? And this is a thing that we do. It makes money for our families and for our employees and whatever. But the majority of people making videos on YouTube are hobbyists. They're not doing this full time. This is a thing that they do for enjoyment outside of the regular life. And I think there's a whole different stress that goes to that. Mm. So this is me officially saying to all of you out there making YouTube videos as a hobby, don't stress over it. Like don't put yourself in such a position that you are, you have a schedule that works, that messes up other parts of your life so that you can hit some nebulous YouTube schedule, man, not worth it. Enjoy. I think there, uh, me from, let's say, 12 years ago would look at me now complaining and say, oh, big, what a baby. You know, you you have your, your dream job. And the difference between me now and 12 years ago is there is no five o'clock I'm done for the day. This is a thing that I don't stop thinking about all the time, even though I do typically end a day at 5.30 or 6, and I don't go back out in the shop until the next day, it is something that I'm constantly thinking of. I cannot stop writing down new ideas, sketching, wondering what's next, or am I doing this right? So it is a constant pressure. And 
when I, when I had that desk job working at the marketing agency, it was just like, ah, six o'clock, we're done. I get to go home and, and spend, spend, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not like that. So <clears throat> I think people in a, who do anything creative, even outside of YouTube, anything that you do creative, you get to a point where it's just like, am I as good as what I was? Am I improving? And, 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 and where are these ideas coming from? And you, you evolve and you're just constantly putting pressure on yourself nonstop. And you have to play this game of like, how can I reduce that pressure? And I and maybe I'll, I'll find that formula that reduces the pressure, but a different pressure is going to come up in another six months or 12 months. And it's, it, I'll have to figure out a new way to reduce that pressure. And I think that's just one of the issues of trying to create all the time nonstop. And I'm trying to do something creative. And it's also how I pay the bills. So I'm forcing myself to do something creative. I can't really just say, you know what? I don't feel like drawing up or filming or making the next thing. I'm like, no, I have to because people are re- relying on me. I, you know, the dogs need to be fed. I need to pay the mortgage. I have these, uh, uh, I, I have things scheduled with, with sponsors. So I don't know, being, I, my, my pick of the week is all about this. And it's a, it's a great interview that uh, I hope many people listen to but this is a thing that i'm struggling with hmm. right now i'm trying to get out of this funk i'm trying to find the next thing that inspires me sometimes you make uh sometimes you make rent sometimes you make art you know uh, <laughs> remember put that on a sometimes sign. you make well the phrase really should be sometimes you make art sometimes you make rent yeah. and i got a talk at workbench con and i was thinking about maybe using that as like the topic of a of my speech at workbench con so that's awesome i love that hmm yeah so what is, we, we do this kind of this time every year. It's crazy that we've been doing this show long enough that we can like, yeah, for the fast, past five years, we've done this topic <laughs> at this time of year. Um, what does 2020 look like? I know, David, you've, you've talked about it a little bit already, but like, what, what's the active, I like to look ahead and say like, here are the actions I'm going to take. Not just, I hope it gets this way. I hope it becomes mm-hmm. this. Like, I want to take these steps to make this year what I want it to be. You guys have anything like that? Do you have any like action points, goals? I got a couple, a couple thoughts. Yeah, Dave, you want to go first? I was just gonna say, like, I am. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how to get out of the the weekly woodworking thing and do all these other things that that I want to. I just got that new forge, so let's let's play around with that. I um, I've got a a small little metal shop work uh, going. I want to play with that. The tube bender, the tube notcher. I got the go kart stuff coming up. I've got all these ideas. I want to contact a local art museum and see if we can do a tour of this and, and film that. I want to go. I want to show my audience what inspires me because what inspires me is not other woodworkers. What inspires me is is other things, art, architecture, just random things at the thrift store. You know, I so I want to get out of the house more. Start filming videos that don't take forty hours to make because that's what my videos currently take. And and, yeah. and make make simpler videos, um, and along with the more complicated and longer videos. I want so I want to get out there, and I know that that's going to that's going to cause that little dip. But I really think if in my head what works is I'm going to have two million. My goal is two million subscribers by the end of the year. I'm at close to six hundred thousand now. I'm going to get two million subscribers, but by the end of the year, and that two million doesn't mean anything, except it's just a number. Except 
that number means something to potential sponsors. It means somebody who lent, it, it does mean a little bit to the person that lands on your page and says, oh, this person is relevant. I'm going to watch their videos, you know? So there is yeah. that vanity, uh, vanity of, of that, that number. And that's kind of, on, it's like, a, it's like a validation. A validation. Almost. Yeah. But that's the goal. Yeah. End of the year, 2 million subscribers, because that means I've done something right and I'm going in the right direction. Hmm. Well, that's pretty good. I uh, I guess my goals for the year, I have my uh, my new racetrack thing that I bought. Uh, that goal. One of my goals is to get my print shop up and running, and get that sorted out and worked on. We've been working on it behind the scenes, getting the building stripped out in preparation to be built back. Um, so that's that's definitely a goal for 2020, and organize my shop better. And with Aaron's help, Aaron's definitely more organized than me. So he's been doing a pretty good job of already organizing the shop and getting it to be efficient and like pathways are cleaned up and under tables are organized. Whereas like I see those piles and it's just in my mind, it's just like messiness and it kind of gets me a little distracted. But uh, Aaron's been doing a good job of just like sorting everything. So for that, I'm very appreciative. And um, getting the building done and creatively speaking, just keep exploring new stuff and just forever learning. Like I said, a few hours the other night in the in the machine shop, I learned so much at the Bridgeport that I, I mean, I learned a tremendous hanging out with Kevin always. I always learn a lot. And then, so what I learned from Kevin the other night came into practice quite a bit and just learning to be patient in the machine shop. Because like, if, you, if you're cutting wood, you know, you could just pass, you could take a two inch deep cut with the machine shop. You have to take like a 20,000th deep cut. And there's like a huge difference where you could just go, rant, 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 and I'm making a 60,000th 60, deep cut. Took me like three hours the other night. 60,000th because I'm cutting hard and steel. So like just being patient and understanding new methods, new technologies and getting confident with them. So it's just the same thing as always, just always learning. And like I said, the big goals are the... The print shop, getting my printing equipment in uh, better shape, maintaining my machines, and just like I said, it, that's. I, I said to tell last night. She's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I have this. I have a. I bought from Jordan in Indiana. I bought a uh, an eighteen, a twelve by eighteen Chandler and Price printing press from nineteen twenty, and I haven't done anything with it. It's been sitting here for maybe close to a year." And so last night I started playing with it and because I'm in this like machine maintenance kick and tells like, what are you doing? I said, I'm like that kooky old man that runs the clock shop. And I'm just like making sure all my clocks are running. So I kind of <laughs> see myself in 2020 being this kooky old dude that just walks around with an oil can oiling all my antique machines and looking for good opportunities <laughs> to get new ones, but not ones that are. You know, I, I have a little, like, I used to take anything. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll take that. And then I was like, I'm looking at a giant pile of rust. But it'd be a little bit more discerning in 2020, you know, building my collection mm. of interesting things to make interesting objects on. So that's it. I mean, just a lot of the same. I have a question for you, and I want to put you on the spot here on the show. But if I design a poster and film that, can I film the second yes. half of the video in your, at your printing press? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. We still have to do our postcards. We, we still do. We were supposed to have do. our ideas uh, by now, um, but we but we don't. But we took so, a break. Uh, if you guys, 
Uh, Habu and Jenny Swiss came. Yeah. I don't know if anybody noticed that. I, I did a little bit of video. I haven't really been doing the vlogs, of course, but Habu, uh, Hassan from Habu and Jenny, uh, Lucas from Jenny Swiss Channel, they both came and spent a couple days with us while we were away. And we worked on the the printing press, which is a Heidelberg windmill press, which is unbelievable piece of equipment. It does. It can. It has the ability to make five thousand prints an hour, which is Whoa. insane. And anyway, it is. Lucas got it all tuned up, and we made a postcard, and we'll have those when we go to make the central. But it's uh, it's unbelievable machine. So uh, big shout out to those guys for coming and hanging out with me. We had a great time. We always have a good time. They came last year, and they came this year, and uh, it's 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 just it's amazing community that we we have friends all around the world. So, but yeah, no. Dave, when you're ready, come print. All right. When you're ready. One of the one of my personal goals is to get out uh, and travel a little bit more. Over the last two years, I've done less traveling on purpose and just staying home and focusing on the on the business. And this year, I'm going to get out just to shoot more videos. Not not for events, but for my own self to, you know, travel across the country finish off a video there, start a video somewhere and, and then bring that back. And hopefully that's another thing that, that inspires me and gives me the kick in the butt to, to move along. Yeah, that's, I think huge, you know, if you can just be in a different place surrounded by different tools or different visuals or different people, I mean, that's, that's going to give you ideas. Every time I travel somewhere, I always get some little piece of something. Mm-hmm. Just It's exposure, yep. you know? Yeah. That's awesome. 2020, Bob. <clears throat> uh, for, yeah, 2020 for me. Um, uh, oh. there, there's a lot, honestly. It It's kind of hard to even... I, it's still swirling about what I want this next year to be. In, in a couple of weeks, next week, um, we're actually taking like a little uh, company retreat. Like all four of us, I got a cabin rented and we're all just going to go hang out in the woods for a weekend and just brainstorm. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, but I, I know there's a couple of things that I really want to do. I want to spend more time at the farm, both, uh, just for fun and also to build stuff. I want to build several things out there. I want to renovate our kitchen, like full down to the studs, down to the subfloor, start over with the kitchen. And we started working on the designs for that at the end of last year, but we're actually going to go ahead with it sometime this year, but it's, that's a huge thing. Uh, I mean, we've done bathroom renovations, which took a lot of time. Uh, a kitchen I think is bigger. It's physically bigger, but it's also just, there's more involved and it's a place that my wife spends a lot of time and it's like an eat-in kitchen. So we, as a family spend a lot of time there too. And so it just feels like there's almost like an infinite number of decisions to be made about that and the way that it can work best and she can enjoy it the most using it and we can enjoy it being in it and stuff. So there's this, it's a little intimidating from the, not the work, but the, the, you know, can we check all the boxes? And so I think a a big part of this year is decision-making about what that is. What do we need? What can we afford when do we start it? How long are we willing to not have a kitchen in our house with four young kids? You know, stuff like that. Um, but that's that's a thing. Like, I'm I'm excited about that work, about doing that thing and, and about showing it. And we're trying to figure out the best way to share that 
a, a project of that scope in a way that we've not done before? Like, how do we break that up? How do we film it? Is there is there a new style or a new format or a new, I don't know. So we're just trying to use, I want to use that as an excuse, as a test bed to try new video things to kind of fill out what we're doing. But that's just like one of the things. I also want to build a cabin and I want to build a, a small building out at the farm that has a bathroom in it and an outdoor kitchen. And I want to make a bridge and I want to oh, make man. a zip line off a giant climbing thing. And I, you know, I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it just keeps going. But all the things that are in my mind are huge. They're, they're gigantic. And I don't know how to do that. That's one of the big questions. And one of the things that I hope we can brainstorm as a team is like, how do we do that? Because it, Weekly videos don't really work in that thing, I don't think. Or, I don't know, they don't work the mm -hmm. same. Um, so it's just like, how do I take this, the scale of stuff that I'm interested in doing, that, I'm, that I really care about and I want to do, the scale is just at a whole new level and I don't know how to take the structure that we've built, the pattern that we have, and put this bigger different stuff in that pattern. Jimmy, he's smiling and has his hand up. I have a stupid so, idea. Hire Ben okay. to be the show host for your kitchen renovation. Oh man! Have, Actually, I've already <laughs> have Ben be like the like the show host that is like next coming up after the break. Like have him uh, be the guy. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've actually talked. I've thought about him as taking advantage of his architectural background. Mm. Um, I haven't talked to him about it yet, but. But I've talked to Chris Zepp about helping with some of the builds on, you know, out at the farm. I talked to Laura last year at Maker Central, Laura Kampf, about wanting to do some of this stuff at the farm when we first got it. And she was like, I want to come help. Like, so I really want to – part of being able to do stuff of that scale is – and part of this year, part of this past year, is me realizing that, like, I am a bottleneck. I am, I am one person who has limited time and – uh, uh, I don't have to have control over th everything and I don't have to have my hands on every single thing. And I need to trust the people around me and the people that I am confident in to help more. And so one of the things that can make some of these bigger projects possible is, you know, temporarily bringing in more people who are better at stuff and just relying on their expertise and relying on their willingness to help and stuff. So, I really don't know what this next year is going to look like, um, but I think it's going to be, I want it to be an expansion, not of, not of like people of employees. I don't mean like that, but an expansion of like what we can do, what we can offer to people. And at the same time, a narrowing of focus to making sure that we're spending our time doing things that are super valuable for other people. And we, and we, focus on that a lot anyway, but I think it's really easy to get distracted with just like, oh, that's cool. Look at, let's go do that thing. And let's go do that thing. And like each one of those things may be valuable to a viewer. It may not, it may just be a little self-indulgent. So I want to make sure that we narrow that focus back to giving value. Um, I know that's all real broad, but I think that's the stuff that's been kind of swirling around in my head along with how do I build a cabin? Right. <laughs> how, do I, how do I do this thing? And how do I do that? So I think the one, one fun. of the issues that I'm having, like with uh, like, this is a pivot point. We're going to do new content. We're going to do new things. I haven't figured out how to film or edit it yet. I don't know what it's supposed to feel like. 
because I've done this. Like when I go do a woodworking project, I know almost, you know, within a couple hours, how long it's going to take. And I know like we talked during this part, we cut here and then we have a montage and then there's a, we wrap it up. These, these other things that I want to do, I don't know how to film yet. And I think that's one of the things that's like, just eating at me like how do i make this as interesting or more interesting than the woodworking videos and uh, i know like it's just you just do it and you figure it out and you get better but right getting started as we've discussed before is the hardest thing yeah and you want to have an idea of like what you're going into i mean yeah. you want to pre-plan as much as possible yeah that that is tough when you're trying to like work on a new format or mm-hmm. something you know you don't you just don't know it until you try it, but it's hmm. going to be a good year. Um, yeah, I think yeah. so. I think it'll be good for everybody. Um, I had something else I was going to bring up and I don't remember what it was. We can also continue to talk about this stuff as the year goes on, mm-hmm. like what our expectations as of now and like how stuff is turning out. That would be interesting to hear like how many people Jimmy bans because they're mean mm-hmm. to him. <laughs> 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 If you use uh, the I'm phrase, with you on that, by the way, though, I'm you with you. If you use the totally. phrase, what a waste, you're getting banned. <laughs> if you use that word in okay. a sentence and it has the word, what a waste, banned instantly. Just so you know. I know the people that would do hmm. that aren't listening to this, but I'm just venting. <laughs> <laughs> they might be. I know that there's people that listen to this podcast for you two and not for me. So there may be other people who listen for the other way around. And that's, you know, whatever. Um, cool. Well, you guys got anything else on this? Uh, before we wrap it up, we got after show. Somebody asked me recently on Twitter, I think, if we could put an after show up for non-patrons to listen to so they know what they're missing. Oh, that was kind of smart. I didn't really think about that, but, and I'm not sure how we would do, I guess we could just put it in this feed. Just like We a, still have that YouTube channel that we made years ago. We used to put the podcast up on the YouTube channel. I suppose we could take the audio from one of the after shows and, and throw it up there and say, hey, this is, by the way, this is a channel we don't update very often, but here's a little taste. That's a possibility. Yeah. If we throw it in this feed, everybody who listens to this show That's will get it. True. That's so, true. Yeah. We'll figure that out. We'll we'll try to do that. Because I think that would be a good way to just, you know, give people an idea of... it. It's honestly, it's more of the <laughs> same show. Guys, guys but, we're going to have to do a really but, good after show if we want to do that then. Yeah. Everybody get yeah, one well, with all the special, special voices. Secrets. Yeah. But then we can't. Yeah. Oh. But then we can't expose those secrets. Well, it's a catch-22. Mm. Maybe we just release an after show that's like six months old. Oh, so yeah. With all, all the old information. Been, yeah. Or... We lie. We just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we continue lying. Um, <laughs> continue lying. All right. Well, while you guys are thinking of what you want to recommend, I'm, oh, my mouse is gone. I'm going to um, talk about our Patreon supporters because they are huge and they get the after show, every single one of them. Um, we've had some new patrons. I was excited to see Odin is one of our, our new top patrons. Do you guys ever look at Odin's leather stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he's one of our top patrons now. Oh, hey, Odin. Awesome. Good to see you. Um, our top patrons are Odin Leather Goods. You should definitely check him out because he makes really amazing leather work. Uh, Jenny and Davis, Modern DIY. You can make this too. Blondie Hacks, 
Funkiss Artistic Creations, Maker in Training, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, and Corey Ward. But there's this whole list of other people who help us out over there, and we're grateful for every single one of you. Um, the cards that we were talking about, the postcards that we have yet to design, maybe we can talk about that in the after oh, show. Yeah. Those are going to go to all of the patrons, right? So that's that's the idea there. Uh, look at Jimmy's books. That's some leather embossing. We talked about leather. Books. Yeah. I, I got yeah. experimented with leather embossing since we last spoke, and it's so exciting. <laughs> I just want to touch it. You it know, looks I, so cool. Yeah. And then this one is the one, the one I made in the video. It's getting pretty abused, but I want to abuse it to see how long it lasts. This is the one I just made. I made a second one, and this is the third one. The second one I gave as a gift to Tracy, who I wrote the I Make book with. And then this is my third one. I'm making a fourth and a fifth one right now. But I really want to get in. I really want to get better at book binding. So for 2020, that's another goal of mine is just to keep making hmm. books. Just keep doing it. And while I'm doing it, just keep learning nuances of like how to improve each one. And so I'm just going to keep making these leather bound books. It's sort of like another hobby. So gunsmithing and book binding. 2020. Awesome. Here I come. Here he comes. And then I'm going to um, shoot the book with the guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh. <laughs> or you make a book gun that can shoot books. Oh. Shoot information. Get it? Yeah. Anyway, um, if you want to help out the show, we would really appreciate it. Go to patreon.com slash making it and uh, help us out at any level. You will get the separate feed of the after show. It's a separate you know, RSS feed and you put it in your player and you get it and whatever, whatever. Go check it out. Uh, we would appreciate it very much. Jimmy, what yeah. do you have? i tell you what. Last night I was just playing around and I got a suggested video and I watched like four of them in a row. They're hypnotic. There's no host and it's just got horrible music, but you mm. can turn the music off and listen to a podcast and watch King Mechanical. K-I-N-G Mechanical. It's just CGI mechanical movements. And every video has oh. got like 25 different mechanical movements. And if you watch that, that is like, like, do you remember um, Clockwork Orange where the guy's sitting there and he's forced to watch all good things with his eyeballs pinched open? He was being fed information. If you watch these videos passively of mechanical movements, there's going to be that moment where you're looking at two objects and you need to have them interlock some way. And you're going to be like, oh, I remember seeing that in the video. So watch King Mechanical for just crazy, interesting mechanisms. I don't know much about the channel, but like I said, I watched about four videos in a row last night. This morning now, I opened my feed. It's just full of these guys' videos. I don't know who's making them, but there's great CGI mechanical movements. Are you watching it? Well, yeah, I'm looking at the channel. Yeah. Huh. That's pretty awesome. Hmm. Yep. So that's good stuff. All right. Subscribe. <laughs> what you got? Um, so my buddy Joel said, hey, I know you don't listen to podcasts, but you should really listen to this episode. And I did. And I'm so glad that I did. This is a podcast called Broken Record. And it's Rick Rubin, the producer, interviewing Andre 3000 from Outcast. And... You don't have to be a fan of Outcast. Oh, I, I watched this, saw this pop up somewhere. Yeah, you don't have to be a fan of Audrey Three Thousand. You don't have to be a fan of Outcast or rap music. It's just a like an amazing interview um, where Andre is just talking about the pressure of creating and 
um, mental health and the anxiety of of being in the position of trying to create all the time and where he's at now and how he deals with it. And so many things about this interview just hit home. And it's it's just really, really good. And Rick Rubin is a great interviewer because he'll, he just lets the, the person speak. And like, if there's a pause, he lets them finish that thought. And they just have a conversation. And it, it really feels like you're just in a room with these two guys and you're listening and there's there's not microphones and it's not being captured. It's just a conversation of two guys just figuring out what their place is now and how to be creative and, and, and the struggles they've gone through. Just, it's really good. Please listen to it and uh, tweet at me and let me know what, what you think of it. Cool. Check that out. Um, mine is a video by Peter McKinnon. I've talked about Peter a whole bunch of times. Um, but he put out this one called the future of this channel. And it's just like maybe five minutes, four minutes, single shot, which actually really impressed me. He's, he's good at talking and getting like an idea across. He always has really good, positive ways to look at stuff. And, um, but he just talks about, uh, the future of his channel and how it's, all encompassing to who he is. And so it started out as like photo tutorials, but then he also makes leather goods and he likes to fly drones and he likes to like jet ski and just all this stuff and how people expect one thing, but then he wants his channel to be a representation of him wholly. And um, so it's really just him talking about that, but it almost looked like he was, reassuring himself that it was okay to be all the things that he is. And I thought that was really cool. And he's very blatantly to the people watching, like, this is what this is. This is all of the things that I'm interested in. Be okay with it. It will have parts that you like and parts that you don't, but this is all of it. And it was cool. And he did it all in one shot, which is just impressive that he could sit down, think through all this stuff out loud without like stuttering and, you know, redoing pieces of it and stuff. Um, it's not an amazing video or anything, but it was a an, an honest, quick, personal, just here it is. And I thought that was really cool. He does a lot of great stuff. I always like his videos. They're beautiful, but also just like he just speaks well and gets his ideas across well. So go check that one out. It's good for you. I think it would maybe encourage everybody to just create the stuff they want to create for who they are and not worry about patterns and mm. uh, algorithms. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I hope everybody listening has an awesome new happy year. Happy New Year. And uh, thank you. Yeah. And happy New Year to you guys. It's good to yeah. see you again. I, I missed you. Happy New Year. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, this is this. We're going into our fifth year, sixth year of the show. I lost fifth? count. Is it fifth? I don't know. A lot of years of this show. <laughs> it's the same amount uh, as my marriage. And so five or six, I'll have to ask Kelly. I'll ask Kelly and I'll get back to you how many years we've been doing. So we can't ever stop doing this show because then you will forget about how long you've been Because, yeah, we got married in mid-October and we started this podcast in late October and that same month. Oh, you took on on Halloween. Did we start on Halloween? Yeah, we started on Halloween. Yeah, we did. Crazy. That's cool. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for sticking around for 2019. Thank you for being with us for 2020. And we'll see you next time. I love you. I always feel good after these conversations. I'm like, I'm energized. I'm ready to start the week.
Yeah. Love you yeah. too.